Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. On behalf of our family of hosts, staff, and the millions of listeners who have tuned in since 2009, we want to wish you happy holidays and ask for your support as we launch our daily in-house news coverage. Please consider making us a part of your end-of-year giving in 2013. Your membership donation is tax-deductible and the best way to show you believe in our work and the importance of a free, food-focused media resource. Consider donating today at heritageradionetwork.org by clicking the Donate button. Thanks for your support and enjoy the show. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's December 10th, 2013. I'm in the studio with some special guests, and our show tonight is In Defense of English Beer. Uh, we've got some great guests here, some from England, some from America. Uh, Alex Hall, Cask Mark and Wandering Star, Chris Post from Wandering Star, Sam Smith from Sam Smith Brewery, and Pete Dixon from Six Point. All right, guys, let's get to the chase. I'll put it out there. In Defense of English Beer. What do you have to say about that? All right, so what's, uh, uh, what's the case against it, please? Well, you're supposed to say something else. You're supposed to, <laughs> correct, you're supposed to correct me. Well, I mean, we've, we've got three English guys oh, here, that, uh, sorry. in the studio. And, I mean, I, 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 to redress the balance, I just want to say as an English brewer who's moved to the States, I intend to give English or British beer a bit of a kicking during this uh, little segment here because one of the reasons that I brew beer in the U.S. and I brew beer um, along, I guess, U.S. tastes is because when I moved here, I found that I liked American craft beer a lot better than most of the stuff that I was drinking at home. Well, that's what I'm saying. Why, why should we defend English beer? But the reason we started the whole show is that we met Sam Smith. Sam Smith, are you the fifth or the seventh? Uh, the fifth. Sam Smith, the fifth. And uh, you're here in the States working, learning a little bit about the beer industry from the, the ground up. And uh, we've done some tastings with you. And I know one of my first uh, really good craft beers were, were the selection of Sam Smith's. And I really like the, the organic lines. And uh, you have some new fruit beers, too. I think everyone here has had Tadcaster and some other really great stuff. Um, i got Pete Dixon from 6.2. Pete, I bet you've had a lot of really good uh, Sam Smith's over the years. Definitely. When you start drinking craft beer, it's definitely one of the ones you uh, run into on the shelf and uh, you return to repeatedly. Yeah, so we just we kind of wanted to bust your balls a little bit, but we also really wanted to get, you know, we've, we wanted to talk about British beer, too. Um, you know, I, 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 I've got a friend, Horst Dornbusch, who uh, was the assistant editor for the Oxford Encyclopedia of Beer, and, and he's of the mindset now, he says, he thinks if you're going to be a new brewery, you have to have a focus, you have to either focus on English or Belgian or German, and, um, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Belgian beer, and we've had some German guests, but we haven't really had, like, a solid English show, so that's kind of a little background on it. So earlier I said, in defense of English beer, and both Sam and Chris, of course the mic wasn't on, they jumped at me, and said, in defense of British beer. And then, and then Alex started talking about, well, is it just going to be British or is it going to be Wales or Scotch? So, you know, wh- why don't you go th- – let's go through the three British guys. Uh, tell us what you think English beer is. Let's start with that. Let's start with Sam. For me, um, British beer is – you know, I'm biased. Like, I can't claim to be impartial in this. But for me, it's the best beer in the world. I'm born and bred on the stuff, and I absolutely love it. Um, you know, I think it's really interesting what you said there, Jimmy, that, um, you know, it was some of the some of the first craft beer that you ever had. And, you know, that is um, that is a story I hear from a lot of people, actually. You know, and look, I can't. Um, so I'm, I'm motioning to Dave. Dave, we I need some beer. Um, Where's the Sam Smith beer? Did you bring it? I can't. Um, I can't look to. I can't speak for all of British beer. You know, I represent one British brewery. Um, for me, we are the best British brewery, but I can't generalize about all British beer. But um, as you say, Sam Smith was some of the first craft beer you ever had in the USA. And that is, that's the story I hear from a lot of people. Our beer was first sold in the USA in 1978. Now, back in 1978, there was no craft beer movement in the USA. There was very bland domestic beer and some imported beer, which is pretty bloody bland as well. And, uh, and suddenly, Sam Smith came along with these extraordinarily good beers, with pale ale, with brown ale, with IPA. 
with porter, with stout. These fantastic beers that really taste of something. And, um, and, you know, this was fairly revolutionary. This was, you know, the American public were like, wow, I've never had beer like this ever in my life. This is absolutely mind-blowing. This beer actually really tastes nice. It doesn't just taste like water. It's actually really nice. It, you know, it's a pleasure to drink this stuff. It drinks like a fine wine. You compare it with good food. And, um, and you know, so, so we inspired, you know, thousands of people to get into good beer and to, to start home brewing and, and, and trying their own hand at trying to recreate these beers. And, you know, out of that developed the whole domestic craft beer scene where we have, you know, over a thousand or whatever it is, 2,000 US craft breweries. But I think it's really important to recognise that, you know, just on a historical level, the role that British beer, in particular Sam Smith's beer, played in, you know, inspiring a nation into craft beer. And, uh, and to this day... What did you day, just pour for us? Just uh, Someone just... Pete, you just poured a... And, uh, and, yeah, and to this day, you know, our beers are just as relevant as ever. You know, we are still among the most highly awarded, the most highly acclaimed um, of, of, of international brewers. Uh, Pete, uh, what did you just pour for us? Because we brew those definition Pete? styles and those classics, those, those benchmark beers that inspired a generation, inspired a nation, and to this day remain, remain the classics. Sure. What did you just pour for us, Pete? We have a nut brown from Samson's. All right. So um, this is a great style of a British beer. And Alex, we're just trying to get everybody in, in the conversation. Alex, um, you know, you came to America. You, you've been inspired by the, the beers of, what are they, British, English? How do we define? What's the term to use? That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, well, the, um, the the focus is, is British beers. Uh, um, and, uh, it could be English. It could be Scottish. But I think we're focusing on English, um, as the Scots have, have their own agenda, um, historically because of the, the lack of hops. So if it's, uh, it, does British mean it includes Scotland and Wales or not? Yes, it does. does. Yes. Okay. Uh, England is England. So British uh, is larger. Is, Britain is England, Scotland, Wales. So, um, so yeah, so I totally agree with Sam. Um, there's absolutely awesome uh, like traditional breweries. In the UK, um, uh, of which he's part of, of one of the, the main ones, uh, if not the main one. Uh, I mean, you've got uh, breweries such as Harvey's and Theakston's. Uh, they're, they're all flying the flag. Adnams. Um, Adnams is always good. Um, uh, but um, to, to take it into context, um, uh, in the modern day and age, there's a new wave of small brewers who have sprung up. I mean, um, breweries like Sam Smith's, they're in their fifth generation now. Uh, but breweries that sprung up in the last decade um, or, or even the last year, um, when uh, you've got Burning Sky, you've got Colonel, you've got Brodies, you've got a, um, uh, one with a, a crazy name, Hand Drawn Monkey. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and they're going outside of, um, um, like, the, the moulds. Uh, they, they bring stuff that uh, you wouldn't have seen in, in the UK, let alone over here in the US, uh, just a, a few years ago. Uh, they're embracing other countries' styles. Um, when I was um, back in the UK in, in, in June, uh, I had a really great Belgian double, Belgian-Belgian uh, brown ale, I guess it, um, from Hand Drawn Monkey. Like, whoa, that's... That knocks the stuffing out of most of the Belgian doubles actually brewed in Belgium. Uh, so, um, um, yeah, but Alex, I mean, that just means that the British craft beer movement has caught up to where US craft beer has been for the last 10 years, which is basically taking the best of um, a country's craft beer traditions, brewing traditions, um, and making what might be perhaps a slightly more extreme version of it. I mean, one of the things that attracted me to U.S. craft beer from the outset was that here's, here's something that tastes, you know, like a, a balanced, lovely pale ale, but there's more of it. Um, and I still think that, you know, if, if with, with all due respect, Sam, um, you know, while there is a certain amount of respect for British beer traditions here in the U.S., the fact is that even among um, U.S. beer geeks, the prevalent uh, 
the prevalent idea about British beer is that it's warm and it's flat still. So yeah, it yeah, hasn't gone that true. far. We haven't gone that far. Pub. I'm not saying that it's true, Alex. I'm just saying that that's what people think. So we, it really hasn't knocked down the door in terms of changing people's perceptions about what British beer is. And when you see a title of uh, In Defence of British or English Beer... Well, I, I, I should imagine that most people out there are thinking, well, that's defending the fact that it's warm and it's Chris, flat. Well, I know when you started Wandering Star and for many years you, you, were, you had some equipment, you were looking for you know, location, you're, you're, you were motivated by you know, your, the fact you grew up in Britain and, and you love certain styles of beer. And I know you said you wanted to, to make English-style beers. So tell us a little bit about your, the love of, of British beer from you and when you were growing up. I mean, I think, take it back. I think talking to Sam earlier, it, it really kind of a, it struck me yet again that it comes down to a kind of series of beer epiphanies. And the first beer epiphany that I ever had was when I went up to Burton-on-Trent as a kind of 17-year-old. Um, and, uh, I mean, one of my great friends at school, his grandfather had been the head brewer at Marston. So I went up to Burton um, basically drinking lager and blackcurrant and thinking bass was pronounced bass. Um, it's true it's true shut up Alex Um, sorry I couldn't resist that um, you're right for life for that one yeah I know I know I know and I came back um, you know absolutely converted to to Marston's pedigree bitter so that was like one big beer epiphany for me but I've got to say the next big beer beer epiphany for me was going to the Northampton Brewery up in the north uh, up in New England where I now live and where we now brew um, and the the Northampton the brew pub in Northampton was the first operational brew pub in the Northeast, and um, it was the first time I ever came to the states, you know, to the to the land of the great Satan. Um, and I walked and, and I jumped on the Connecticut limo then um, at JFK and came up I came up to Massachusetts, and um, the first place I walked into was was this place quaintly named the Northampton Brewery. And they had their own brewery in there. Now, I was jet-lagged and I was very young. And I looked around me naively and went, Jesus wept, do they all have this? You know, do all the bars have their own breweries in them? Because this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I have to have one kind of thing. And that's really where the, the idea that you can start your own brewery, that making beer is not just the exclusive preserve of an enormous factory belching smoke that you can do it on a on a small industrial craft level that that really took root just that first visit ever to an american bar well there's there's a lot of great breweries that we know from england i mean thornbridge there's ridgeway there's there's some small guys and there was the camera movement and alex you're here representing the cask mark i've always been an advocate for for cask and we will have a show in the winter about cask and cask mark. But uh, tell us about your love of cask beer, because I, I know also when Wandering Star started, that was one of your goals, and and you've been a, a, one of the number one proponents of it in the states, Alex. And I know Sam Smith also has a classic uh, cask beer as well. Um, so tell us your love of cask beer, and, and t- is that what you think of when you think of uh, British beer? Uh, primarily, yes. It, it's uh, the um, historic way of doing it. And um, the UK is the only place in the world where it didn't become extinct. Other countries, um, before refrigeration became widespread and before uh, the pressurized keg was invented, um, they, they did casks. Like, um, I, uh, but they all died out apart from the UK because um, uh, it, it was in danger of dying out, don't get me wrong. And the campaign for real ale in the early 70s was formed and was so successful, they saved it. It never became extinct in the UK. All right. And Sam, you guys at Sam Smith, I mean, you guys have so many great tra- traditions. Um, you know, you're also, you still make a cask ale, don't you? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. And t- tell us about, about that. Uh, yeah, we have one cask ale at our brewery called um, Old Brewery Bitter, which is... Um, Four percent classic British session bitter, quite similar to our um, organic pale ale that we um, have in bottles and sell over here um, in the US. It's, it's, it's just a classic Yorkshire bitter, full-bodied, malty, creamy. It's it's quite delicious. It's probably my favourite beer in the whole world. And what's quite unique about Oldbury Bitter is that it's um, it's served out of a wooden cask. So um, 
yeah, as Alex says, the traditional, that traditional that is the historic way of serving beer in the UK um, is out of a cask, and not only just a cask, a wooden cask is the historic way of doing it, uh, made of oak. And um, at our brewery, we're, I think we're one of the very, very few breweries in the whole world who, have, who still use wooden casks, and we have a cooper at our brewery who makes and repairs all these wooden casks. It's an extraordinary skill, an extraordinary craft that has largely died, died out in the world, but we're really proud to preserve that, that craft and that skill. At so our really old this, brewery. Where's this uh, cask actually served? Is it only at the brewery? Or uh, it served. Um, it's all served all around the UK. Um, it's uh, sadly we, we there's no way we can ship this stuff to the US because uh, once it's out of the brewery, it needs to be served within a few days, within a week. Um, and but yeah, all at, so at our you pubs serve it around fresh the UK. From, so the cask, you put it on a, a bar and they they tap it and they serve it fresh. Yeah, absolutely. It takes a huge amount of skill to no serve this stuff up well. But uh, it really needs to be the key with this stuff is it needs to be fresh. It needs to be, you know, fresh out of the brewery, straight onto the dray, straight into the pub, into the cellar, and being tapped and being served as soon as possible. And it tastes quite extraordinary out of this wooden cask when it's served fresh, but it takes a huge amount of skill to get it right. But, I mean, that's the key, isn't it? It's served at cellar temperature. It's served within a few days of actually being delivered to a bar. Um, and it's served in an environment generally where you're, in, where, where you're going to get through that cask in a few days. And at that point, you get to appreciate it as a real live living beer, one that actually changes in you know, imperceptible and positive ways while you're going through that cask and makes it so completely different from the pasteurized or kegged or you know, chilled and forced carbonated beers that we see most of the time here in the US. But its strength is also its weakness because that makes it an incredibly difficult experience to export. Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, Zen, it's horses for causes, isn't it? You've got to do it in the right place where if you can't serve that stuff up right, if you haven't got the right environment, if you haven't got the volume to sell it, don't sell it. Put a keg on, you know, absolutely. Serve bottled beer. Bottled beer can be great. Keg beer can be great. And it's really important that we don't... Um, we actually own, yeah, we own a few, a couple of hundred pubs in the UK, and we we only sell it in our own pubs. We don't sell it into free houses, into pubs that we don't own because we just don't think they they'll be able to serve it right and they'll get through it quick enough. And uh, so, absolutely right, you know, we got to get it, make sure it's being served up right. Otherwise, we just don't bother doing it. Alex, did you want to say something? Um, yeah, briefly, I just want to um, tell a quick tale. Um, back in the 1990s, um, I was a cellarman at the Evening Star in Brighton, south of England, and we used to get Sam Smith's beer regularly in uh, wooden kilderkins. A kilderkin is double a firkin, um, so you're looking at 18 um, imperial gallons, 21.6 uh, US gallons, and these big wooden kilderkins, oh, and they had no handles. <laughs> I, I totally, totally respect keeping the tradition going, but they were such a pain to deal with in the cellar. <laughs> uh, but we, we did them just for the sake of it. Like We had to do that. And uh, we had uh, Sam Smith's old beer, usually, uh, called Museum Ale, which unfortunately has, has been discontinued. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a tale from a few years ago. That's great. Hey, um, quickly introduce, introduce Dave from Merchant of Venice. Dave, guess what your job is? Your job is to take all the Sam Smith beers and open them and pour them for us. He's job. sitting over there t- texting and tweeting that like you know that we, we do need someone to pour beer. We do drink the beer on the air, and we had the, we had the Nut Brown Ale, and we had what was the first beer we had, Sam, from you guys? Oatmeal Stout. Oatmeal Stout. That was great. So hey, we're gonna take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Sweet Talk by Pamela Royal on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
So, you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the Great Beer Test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit GreatBrewers.com today. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's December 10th. We got the In Defense of English or British Beer. Uh, I'll say it again, In Defense of English Beer. And uh, when Sam Smith the fifth came over this year, he's been working in New York City as a beer rep, uh, learned, learned the trade. Uh, we did a couple of tastings, and we said, it's, not, it's time to do an, an, an English or British beer tasting. And we got Alex Hall here uh, from Cast Mark and Wandering Star, Chris Post from Wandering Star, and Pete Dixon, our American brewer, from uh, Six Point. Pete, uh, you're on the show as well. You guys make some English-style beers too, don't you? Uh, we have a few. Uh, they definitely all have an American spin to them. I can't actually uh, go around saying that we make English-styled beer to a T. Uh, we definitely put a spin on it. We have uh, a few account beers that we do uh, that are in that vein, um, one of which is a Bill's Burger ESB. Uh, but again, it's, it's heavy on the hops. It's very uh, American-styled. So I can't claim that we're actually doing some quality British beer without getting uh, a tongue lashing. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you had some things close. You always had a good style. You have brownstone. I always uh, thought your brownstone was like an English-style brown ale. Uh, brownstone even is, is very hop-forward. Yeah. Uh, we definitely uh, aren't shy with our hands when we're throwing the hops in. And uh, I mean, it's kind of what sets us apart as, as being a, a Brooklyn craft brewery is, is our heavy usage of hops. Um, so yeah, even the brownstone where it's it has its roots in just a nice English brown and takes that next step level. You know, I, well, I guess I'm, I'm uh, jumping ahead. Last year at the Six Point Beer for Beasts, uh, we made a beer together. It was, it was really your recipe, but it was the Ray Dieter, our good friend Ray Dieter, rest in peace. Uh, he was he was one reason we're we, we're talking about English beer is that. Uh, when he was younger, he, his wife was from England. He traveled there a few times, and that's really what inspired him to uh, open the DBA bars that are in New York and in New Orleans. And sadly, Ray died two years ago. But last year for Beer for Beast, we, we, we made the Ray Dieter uh, Robust Porter, uh, which was your recipe. Um, was that an English-style beer? Uh, yeah. I definitely I dug into the books, tried to keep it nice and balanced, low on the hops, and uh, I actually in, even uh, burtonized the water and really kind of went for the fences as far as just trying to make a nice straightforward brown brown ale, and uh, I think it came out pretty good. Oh, it was great. It was, it was the best beer of beer for beasts. <laughs> but, um, but the, the English styles do inspire us, you know, and I mentioned Horace Thornbush from Oxford Encyclopedia of Beer, and, and you guys, everyone in this room, the reason you're here is because, you know, you, you have represented English beer t- to us. Um, so let's have some fun. So Sam, come on up. All right, you've got some brew pubs, and let's, we're going to put you on the on the chopping block here. <laughs> so uh, you're a young guy. Your, your family's been in beer for a long time, and we really enjoyed having you in New York. And, and uh, when are you going back to uh, UK? Uh, next week. All right. So some of the terms that I don't get, and I think that our listeners would like to know, is I said England, Britain, UK. There's a lot of words that terms that we know you guys buy, but you said so. Just who wants to tell us the the breakdown of the British Islands and you were saying British and, and English and how that relates to beer. Uh, well, Britain is, Britain is, well, Great Britain, I think, is the same as the United Kingdom, which is the country that we are, which is England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Um, it's, and I would def- I, I, I think the title of this program should be In Defense of British Beer. I, I don't consider myself English. I'd consider myself British. I'm half Scottish, half English. And that's been, they've been united since the Act of Union in 1707. And uh, yeah, I think, we're, yeah, Britain. Surely Britain doesn't include Northern Ireland, though. That's that's the embodiment of the United Kingdom. Uh, maybe I don't know. It's technical. Yeah, oh, that, 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 that's I'm out of my that, depth, yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Chris Post was about to say something, but he's a, he's American now. 
And I'm the not, thing is, you know, before you had a brewery, you always talked about how much you love English beer and you're going to make English beer. And now you're saying how much you love American beer. I, I've always loved American beer. And, I'm, you know, I only became a brewer once I got to America, Jimmy, for goodness sake. Um, I still, still think, though, that, I mean, we're talking, we're talking about defending British beer, English beer. I mean, I think that the... At the, at the heart of what Pete was trying to do with his beer, with his porter, what um, all the Sam Smith beers have, what all the great English beers have, is that kind of like defining principle of drinkability. Um, and one of the other, you know, one of the terms that you know, we can bandy around the terms British and English as much as we like, but I mean, there's another term that I think is far more essential, which is session. Um, and what a session beer is, and why that is kind of important to the concept of uh, English or British beers, which is that, you know, when you're talking about drinkability, you're talking about a beer that you can have more than one of, more than two of, yeah, maybe even more than four of. Um, and a session in an English bar or a British bar was, uh, certainly used to be the period between 11 and 3. Um, 11 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon when the bars had to shut. And then they'd reopen again at 6 and close at 11. And both of those were known as sessions. And if you could basically sit there drinking a beer or drinking a, you know, a few pints and you, you could be there the whole time and actually you know, move away under your own steam, then what you're drinking is a session beer. It's one that's good for the whole session. And so it's something that promotes sociability hanging out with your friends, um, drinkability, you know, something that you want to repeat. Not one of these hot bombs that basically rips your tongue out by the roots and go, yeah, now I've done that, I can chalk that one up. I never want to drink that again, thank you. This is stuff that you want to live with. You know, it's um, beer is a long-term relationship. It's not a one-night stand. It's not a fling. Um, and if you can do that, and that, that for me is the hallmark of English beer. Another interesting point here is that the uh, the term sessional sessionability has definitely been used and abused with the American craft brewing scene. Uh, I've been seeing a lot where uh, you know people are claiming you know here's a sessionelle and it's six percent, five point eight percent. I've mean, seen that myself. It's it's, it's crazy. It's absurd. I, I I would say uh, personally personally. Um, Absolute maximum of four point five percent, and some people even say four percent maximum. Uh, some people have a five percent like ceiling. Um, go on, uh, beer advocate, and there's, there's been threads on that in the past. Um, but like five percent session beer, nah. Like six percent, you're joking. Sessionable. <laughs> All right, and see it. <clears throat> okay, so some other things about English beer. So there's like terms like bitter, mild. Um, they're a little confusing to me. Um, what, 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 who wants to talk about those typical British styles? Okay, I, I'll um, take up the baton there. Um, yeah, a mild is generally speaking a um, yeah, it's less. It's less strong. It's mild because it's less strong in alcohol, and it's and it's also um, less strong in in hop character normally. It's um, so that's generally going to be about sort of three three and a half percent ABV. A bitter is very similar to, um, it's kind of the the bitter style and the pale ale style are very similar, very sort of almost like brothers, I suppose. They're, they're very similar. A bitter, you know, at our brewery, like I mentioned before, our old brewery bitter, that's almost the same as our pale ale. It's just, but it's, it's, still, the, it's still sessionable. It's very much sessionable. Our bitter, our old brewery bitter is 4% ABV. It's not, nothing like an IPA. No, it's nothing like an IBA. I mean, it, might, it may sound confusing, the term bitter, because a batch of British bitter is far less bitter. Isn't, by American standards, it's not at all bitter. It's, um, it's very, very mild, really. It's certainly in comparison to an IPA, which is an American IPA, which are, is very bitter. It's not at all bitter. It's very, very, very sort of uh, nuanced and, uh, and far more subtle, yeah. Nuanced and subtle, that's something you'll never see in the, uh, in, 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 in the blurb for stone brews, perhaps. Or I mean, there's a bunch of others out there. It's, it's like that nuance is... Some, so, Chris, you, you came off lacking. strong and you were talking about the virtues of American beer, but you really, you really do love British beer. No, I love drinkability. I want you to say that. I love, I love drinking. I love drinkability. So that, that, that ethos that it's the heart of, 
of British beer culture, which is that is about beer as a is a sociable drink that you can share with your friends and have a bunch of and hang out and have a good time. That's what it's all about. It's not about checking off your kind of like IBUs consumed per evening, you know. Um, it, there, there's too much of a collector <laughs> mentality in the U.S. craft beer scene. Well, one thing that, that that kind of like freaks me out is when I go to a lot of newish like, craft beer bars, and every beer on draft is like eight percent or higher, mm-hmm. and I'm like, who made that list? Because all the brewers that I know the last few years and and are making four point something percent flavorful beers, and that's the trend that I see. I feel like these like imperial you know double hop beers are from like five or six years ago. So, I mean, I'm up there with session beers, you know. I mean, I, you know, I don't know, Alex, you're the guy. Come on, you got, you got, and mild. You've got mild at heart. You've got so many different beers. Absolutely, that you're, yes, you're yes. Making. Uh, Wandering Star. Um, one of our, our top sellers is a, an English style dark mild. Uh, it's four point four percent. Think if you if you if you don't know, uh, I'm, I'm sure most listeners actually do know, but if, if you don't, uh, think of like um, a session porter, like bordering on a brown ale kind of thing. Uh, and it's 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 full bodied and it's full flavored, and but it's only four point four percent, and it's it's up there. I mean, um, our spritz. So we we like to go to the pub for a session and not fall over, like <laughs> uh, on like ten percenters. Like uh, we just can't do that. Like uh, I don't I don't know how some Americans do that. Maybe, maybe I don't want to know. <laughs> so um, so yeah, and um, we we also just. Brewed a, a session beer for Jones Wood Foundry and uh, an upcoming bar called the Shakespeare uh, called Jones Wood in, in New York Session City. IPA. Yeah, in New yeah. York City, yes. Um, so that's exclusive uh, to those bars in theory, though the old one might escape uh, here and there. And in practice, Alex, thank you. <laughs> and I'll tell you, if you're out there listening at beer underscore sessions, if you've got anything to say about, uh, you know, British beer, or you like, you like these guys' accents, please please chime in at beer underscore sessions. I think we've got a beer sessions radio t shirt. We don't have accents. We're English <laughs> and we're speaking English. There you okay? go, Chris. There you go. There you go. Then do I do I have an accent? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you do. It's very quaint. All right, what about Sam? Does he have an accent? Well he's from the north. I mean, <laughs> So what's the difference? I mean, you guys got this, this culture, so this Britain. Well, and, and I do I do care about the Brits. I like them. I've had some. I've had uh, Hook Norton, which Hook, which is, has been out there. Yeah, I, yeah, I've I, had Ridgeway, and I've had uh, you know Thornbridge. Well, you got to remember I've had I mean, Adams. I, one of the things I've had about Sam Smith. one of the things about Britain and England. I mean, it's that it's a society that kind of like uh, developed its kind of regional differences well before the motor car. So you've got you can drive sixty miles and actually not be able to understand what someone's saying. Um, it really is, you know. You, you, so, so there is a north. It, it might sound incongruous to this people who live in this enormous continent, but there's there's a very perceptible north south divide in England. Now I'm a soft southerner, um, which basically me, me, means that I'm on the other side of the fence from. Sam's from Sam. And which, Sam which, uh, whatever. Is, is and are they counties or what are these places called? Um, I'm from Wessex, I suppose. Is that, is that a county? Is that a region? It's it's a series of counties. It's basically anything to the west of and south of London, um, and that makes me a soft southerner. <laughs> um, luckily, I managed to escape to Burton on Trent when I was younger, of which I've spoken earlier. But um, there's an enormous amount of very different beer culture. Kind of north of north of the border, as we like to say. And what about Alex? Where are you from in England? I'm from Brighton, um, which is south coast, fifty miles south of London. Um, uh, talking on beer culture, I'm going to bring up uh, prickly subjects, uh, sparklers. They're they're respected like like God in the north of England, uh, <laughs> and, and and Wales also. Uh, in the south, they're the work of the devil. I personally like sparklers. Oh! <laughs> What's a sparkler? I'm drinking your beer. Oh. <laughs> What's a sparkler? Sparkler. Pete, let Pete tell us. Come on. Uh, <laughs> Pete's uh, the quiet guy from Pete. Six Point. Uh, uh, a sparkler. Last time we, we, last, we, we got Six Point, our, our, you know, and these are the guys that, that make beer in the small brewery in Red Hook, Brooklyn. Pete and Heather. And last time Heather was on, she sparked a revolution. She. Her famous quote was, why there's so many white dudes in beer? And we're going to do a whole show about race and craft beer and all this crazy stuff. But Pete's like the quiet brewer guy. Just like you to know? get it done. You're doing a great job. 
But what's a sparklers thing? Uh, do you want to tell them? Or no, I'll, I'll let you go. I, no. Okay, sparkler <laughs> is um, a restrictor uh, nozzle that screws on the ends of the spouts on a, a on a cast pump, um, and that aerates the beer, uh, taking condition out of the body of the beer and putting it in the head to create an artificial head. So you get a, a, a enhanced aroma, but the the flavour of the beer is dumbed down, and I disapprove strongly of those. Um, and that to me, is one of the weaknesses to British beer culture is that we're all worried about sparklers versus non-sparklers, whereas <laughs> we should be worried about the freshness of the beer that we actually get out, whether it should be on cask at all, and um, whether, God help us, it is actually possible to make far better beer on keg. And Pete, what do you have to say about that? Well, we haven't heard from Sam on this. What's your take on sparklers? <laughs> Um, I would, I would, uh, yeah, disagree with Alex. I'm a northerner. I like my beer. I have a sparkler. I like a nice, thick, creamy head. Um, but you know what? I, I, I totally agree, actually, with, with what we're saying there. That um, you know, in England, there's this, there's a bit of a beer movement that suggests that good beer comes out of a cask and bad beer comes out of bottles and kegs. I, I can't understand that thinking at all, to be honest. I, th- I find it absolute nonsense. You know, for me, good beer is beer that's flavorful, that's made from all natural ingredients, that is, you know, brewed properly, that's a really satisfying drink to drink. And, you know, what? I'm, I'm not particularly interested whether it comes out of a cask, whether it comes out of a keg, when it comes out of a bottle, whether it comes out of a can. Um, to me, that we're kind of missing the point that whether it comes out of a sparkler or not is not the main issue. The main issue is what's in the bottle, what's the liquid like. And um, at Sam Smith, we can proudly claim that our liquid's pretty bloody good. I got to agree with you. I definitely think that uh, each historical version of serving beer has got its place. It's got its its peak. It's got its um, great experience. Definitely uh, the right place and time, and the well executed. Uh, you know, if you end up getting with a cask that you get a pour and it's a week old and it's not so good, or you get somebody who doesn't even know that they need to actually have a cask that has some life to it and they put it into the cask flat. I mean, that's the brewer's fault right there. It's not even the, uh, the barman. And, you know, each and every one of those instances, there's always a downfall. There's a potential trip up. Uh, and whether or not you're going to knock a serving vessel, it's, I don't think really the issue. I think the issue is the, the caretaking that goes into each of those individual serving vessels. Pete, I know when, when you studied, you studied at the American Brewers Guild. It's like the working internship-based program from Vermont. And I think you're doing a great job at, at Six Point. Have you ever been to, to Britain, to any breweries there? I have. Actually, I, I went uh, when I just turned 18, and sadly, I did not have one ounce of cask beer because I had no idea what it was at the time. I, I can say that I actually had a Bex because it's the only name I recognized. And I was turned on to Guinness, and I was far too young, and I wish I can go back and redo it all over again. <laughs> so really, there's something going on. With hey, our, Pete, our, Pete, but Pete, Chris, Pete. Chris, Chris, our top, so our top defenders of British beer are Alex Hall and Chris Post, expats living in the States, and then we also have Sam. So Sam, at, at your pubs, so you guys have a number of pubs in, in, uh, in Britain, um, are you only serving your own beers? Yeah, we only serve our own beers. That's right. Yeah, we think we brew such a fantastic range of lots of different styles of beer that, um, yeah, we only serve our own beer. Handcraft at Yorkshire's oldest brewery, yeah. But then separate from camera, if you don't know, you gotta. everyone has to get Michael Jackson's, one of his great books. And, you know, he was the guy and he wrote about all these great beers, including the camera movement in the 70s in, in England. And I have a feeling a lot of the listeners have heard it. If you haven't, it was in defense of, of the these classic cask conditioned beers. But I feel that now in England, you know, if you said your first beer in England was a Bex, and I was there in the 80s, my first beer in England was a Foster's. I mean, are most people drinking, you know, traditional beers or craft beer, or are most people just drinking vodka and, you know, Stella? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a shocking indictment, actually. You know, Britain, with, uh, we're, we're, to me, we're the home of some of the best beer in the world, you know, absolutely world-class ales and, and sometimes very good lagers as well. But actually... No, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's really depressing. Most of what people drink in the UK, as here in the US, is bland sort of chemical lager. 
and it's it's not it's, it's not a good thing. I think we are starting to see a reversal in that in that state. I think you know there is a bit of a reawakening going on in the more affluent cities. You know, people saying actually let's drink good beer again. I think actually it's great. We with you know the U.S. craft beer movement was very heavily influenced by the U.K. Um, in in sort of starting to brew good beer. It's interesting now the U.K. is starting to be very influenced by the U.S. and people are starting to get into good beer again. And uh, which is good to see, but sadly, yep, most most beer that's drunk in the UK nowadays is crap. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I'd like to second that basically because I think over the last ten years, it's the first time that your average British drinker who's starting drinking in a bar, if they're drinking what their parents drank, they're drinking. They're, they're not drinking real ale anymore, and so the breweries have had to reinvent themselves. And in Britain, we are now at the stage that the US craft beer industry was 10, 15 years ago, of basically the brewers having to reinvent themselves, become relevant, and actually redefine what they are in terms of taste and claim drinkers back for good beer. And it's a, it's a great thing to see, the revitalization of the, the UK beer industry along the lines of what's been going on in the US, quite simply because you can't afford to rest on your laurels. Well, I'll say, I, the one thing that I know is that I heard that you know, in England, there's the Tide system, and you guys are brewers and you and your own bars. And I, I think that was that that was the case in the states before prohibition. And people say the the, the Christine Sismondo wrote, wrote a great book about taverns in America, and 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 she said the one great thing about prohibition was that it cut the Tide system in America. And you know, I think that's one reason why we have such a healthy craft scene now is is that there's so many small breweries and and so many so many bars that are independent. So I just want to say we're going to take a short break. Um, We've, we started late tonight. We've got a lot going on, but uh, here we're on Beer Sessions Radio, and we're back in a few minutes. All right. Thank you. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 in the Good Beer Center. And I'll tell you this. Uh, you know what? We're in business in New York City. We're running a beer bar. It's been a long time. We've had a lot of issues since Hurricane Sandy. I'm putting this out on the air. If anybody wants to be my business partner, operating partner, you can email me at jimmypotsandpans at gmail because we're really thinking about it. We're doing so much with the radio show and, and doing more media stuff, and uh, we're really looking to uh, – grow our, our beer business in New York City. So here we are with some great guests. We've got Alex Hall, Wandering Star, Cast Mark, Sam Smith from Sam Smith, Pete Dixon from Six Point, and Chris Post. Uh, here he is from uh, Wandering Star. So um, we got a question from uh, one of our listeners. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's at Brew underscore uh, Brew, Brew York, Brew underscore York, Maggie. Um, it's, it's for Sam. It's Sam, how do you guys brew your beer at, at uh, Sam, Sam Smith? Because it's kind of traditional, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we talk about, you know, in defense of British beer. I think one thing that certainly we've got to, you know, how we can really defend our beer is, is the fact that we can claim that we brew our beer in a quite unique way, you know, totally unlike any other brewery in the world. So, um, you know, our yeast that we use for fermenting all our ales is about 100 years old. It's the oldest unchanged strain of yeast in the world as far as well certainly in the uk it may well be in the world i'd be interested if anyone knows anything else on that if there is a, an older yeast so you know this is ex- incredibly you know historical stuff the way we ferment our beers is quite extraordinary we use these things called yorkshire squares these are like large bathtubs made of slate most beer in the world is fermented in stainless steel tanks we do it in these open vessels made of um made of slate and uh, and these these have a have an extraordinary effect on our beer. They mean that the beers taste very very full bodied, very very malty, and um, these, yeah, this very very distinctive full bodied character. And even though our beers are only brewed at five percent ABV, they drink like they're 
sort of you know six or seven british beer as alex was mentioning before is not strong but good british brewers have learned how to brew really good full-bodied beers at low strengths and um and the way that we've been able to do that um is is, is this method of yorkshire squares which is used to be very prevalent in the county of yorkshire where we're based um sadly it's largely died out i think we're about the only brewery still brewing in stone yorkshire squares um and it was a it was a method that was invented in the mid nineteenth century um, to make great beer, full bodied, full flavoured beer, but at low strengths. And and that's a historical reason because beer has always been very heavily taxed in the UK. And the stronger the beer, the more heavy the taxes. So UK brewers realised that if they were going to make their products affordable and profitable, they had to brew it at low strengths and they would have to brew good beer. And so they had to develop methods of brewing great beer at low strengths. So the way we do it is with the Yorkshire Squares. And, um, and and that gives our beer a very, very distinctive character. And it's not the cheapest way of brewing beer, but by heck, I think it's the best. Pete, uh, as a brewer, uh, are you familiar with the style of what he's talking about? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sam Smith has got the uh, the corner on Yorkshire, Yorkshire Squares. It's definitely been well-known for a while. But, like, if he's doing York, York, York's, York's fur, Yorkshire. Yorkshire Squares, what are you guys doing? Uh, well... Most typical craft brewers, and us included, are in stainless steel, conical fermenters. Uh, some people do open top. Some, te- some people do closed. Most, for the most part, are now doing closed. Uh, it's just easier to keep the environment closed, tidy up, and uh, excluded from the rest of the brewery. So um, why don't more brewers do some traditional methods like that, like a Yorkshire square? Uh, it depends on your yeast strain. Uh, definitely uh, Yorkshire square is kind of catered to the fact that the yeast is so flocculent and so buoyant that you couldn't get the suckers to be actually be in the wort to ferment it. So the whole construct of the square is really just to get the wort to ferment. Uh, it's kind of fun and, and cool. If you if you don't know what I'm talking about, definitely Google Yorkshire squares and, and go on images just to see what they look like. They're trippy. <laughs> so you can raise a toast to uh, Sam Smith's York, Yorkshire Square. Indeed, toast. I can't say that Yorkshire. <laughs> Salut, <laughs> and uh, and Chris Post. You're another brewer too, so just chime in on the Yorkshire Squares because it's pretty unique. It is totally unique. I mean, I can only think of the two um, unique kind of brewing systems out of the UK, um, both of which evolve very much to deal with the kind of unique characteristics of the yeast. And, um, you know, one is the Yorkshire squares that Sam Smith has. And, and as Pete said, way better than I could even begin to remember. Um, it was to deal with an incredibly flocculent yeast, a yeast that otherwise would want to kind of drop out of solution very quickly. And the Yorkshire squares basically keep that yeast going, make it kind of keep going and working on the wort and producing the beer. And, you know, in the meantime, extracting an incredible amount of flavor out of a relatively low gravity wort. Um, and that, to me, is the kind of hallmark of British beers. And then there's the, the other system that does that um, with a yeast that is of uh, very low flocculation. So the other end of the spectrum is the Burton Union system. Um, and Marston's um, in the UK um, is the only brewery that is still doing that on a kind of um, on a very large scale um, system. But Firestone Walker here um, in California um, has built their own Burton Union and is making some incredible beers um, with the Union. And it just is it, to me it's it's a testament that to the way that these unique ways of treating yeast um uh, just and it changes the beer and it's a testament to the way that kind of brewers who are really into their craft get excited about it and build these weird and wonderful contraptions that are a total pain in the butt to clean um that are completely inefficient in terms of wasted beer etc but they do have an effect on the flavor of the beer and it's it, 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 to, as I say, it's a testament to how much people love their craft, that Sam Smith's is doing it still in England, that Marston's is still doing it in England, and that people like Firestone Walker are doing it here. Alex? Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, what Chris said. Yes, the, the two traditional systems. Um, it's the, the yeast dictates, if you've got your own strain of yeast, uh, which is that unique to, to your traditional brewery that will dictate, uh, as Chris said. All right. 
Well, we're going to have to wrap up the show. Uh, we got a little late start tonight. We have some great guests tonight. Everybody go around the room and, and just introduce yourself one more time, please. Uh, I'm Alex Hall. Uh, I'm a partner in Wandering Star, and um, I'm kickstarting um, Castmark, the quality accreditation project for Cask in the New York City area. Uh, thanks to Paul Pendyke from UK Brewing Supplies, who uh, did the initial ne- negotiations with the, the uh, with Castmark in in the UK, uh, who have eight and a half thousand pubs uh, accredited for quality. All right. I'm Sam Smith from Samuel Smith's Brewery out of Tadcaster, England. All right, and thanks for coming. And what beers did we taste? You brought like uh, five or six different beers. Yeah, we've had some real yeah, absolute stonkers today. We've had the uh, what do we had? We had the Winner Welcome. We've had our India Ale, our IPA, classic British IPA. We've had our Nut Brown Ale, which is a benchmark in the in the brown ale style. And uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, got um, was was by the Wine Enthusiast magazine accredited one of the top twenty five beers in the world. Um, we've been drinking our oatmeal stout. And we've been drinking our chocolate style, which we released about a year ago. It's doing incredibly well. So, yeah, I'm glad you've enjoyed them. Uh, Pete Dixon with Six Point Brewery here in uh, Brooklyn, New York. All right, Pete. And you brought a beer too, didn't you? Uh, I brought by the Oktoberfest. We ended up doing it just this past October for an event. And uh hope you guys liked it. Well, I've always liked working with you too, man. And uh, thanks for sharing your insight. I know you know a lot about brewing. And you're running the, 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 you. the Red Hook Brewery of Six Point. And uh, you got six. You got a beer for beast coming up too, right? Yeah, we're starting to get the gears rolling and turning on the next year's event. So it's going to be uh, quite a whirlwind and leading up to it. All right, and when, and, and Chris Post too. Sorry, yeah, Chris Post. I'm the founder and the uh, the brewer at um, Wandering Star. We're a small 15 barrel brewery up in Western Massachusetts, and uh, just delighted to be bringing a heck of a lot of our beer down to New York City. All right, well, everybody, thanks for coming on. We'll give a shout out to our special event. Uh, the fourth annual New York City Brewers' Choice is coming up February 26th. It's one of the featured events of New York City Beer Week. Tickets are on sale now. Go to goodbrazil.com uh, to get your tickets. Jeff O'Neill of Peekskill Brewery, one of our favorite New York State brewers, will be the keynote speaker. And this year we're collaborating with Grow NYC. And all the brewers will be making beer with New York State Grain, which is pretty awesome. In closing, I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com, who have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio is also supported by the Good Beer Seal, an association of over 40 New York City and uh, New York area good beer bars. All right. Check us out anytime on Twitter at beer underscore sessions. And if you like this, give us a good review on iTunes. Thanks, everybody. Tonight we've got Chris, Sam, Alex, Pete, and Dave for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Maggie Seiden, Justin Kennedy, our engineer tonight. Uh, it's, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.